So I usually say, look at those three clients, understand exactly what they aspire to be and understand why they ended up buying from you at the end of the day. And those things will start pointing the direction to the best marketing you've ever done. Man, am I glad you're here today. I am so glad that this is the episode that you pick to play next on your iPhone or Android device, whether it's in the car or maybe you're listening to it on your laptop, wherever you are. I am so happy that you listened, uh, you know, chose to listen to this episode today. And why is that? Because of my guest. And my guest is Andrew Davis. Uh, he goes by, by Drew, actually. As a matter of fact, his website is akadrewdavis.com. And he is probably one of the most compelling speakers on the circuit today. Matter of fact, I've linked up his YouTube channel. I would really encourage you to go check some of Drew's talks out because you just feel great, quite frankly, after after listening to him. And not just in an empty kind of inspirational way, but in a, well, I think I could really do this and here's what I'm going to do next kind of way. Reminds me a little bit of uh, Ryan Estes in that uh, manner. You know, Ryan, if you don't know Ryan, go back and listen to his episode. But he talks about always taking action. He kind of discusses finds things in his talks that help the audience take action on, on the way they're feeling, right, uh, of what they've learned. Drew's the same kind of uh, speaker. He really lays things out very discreetly so that you could actually apply some of these ideas. Um, I love his approach because he cares very much about the emotional connectivity of our products and our services and how we communicate that to a receptive audience and in fact that it is our job and everyone in the company's job to make sure that the entire experience with our products and our services is clearly uh, developed and well articulated out into the marketplace from that that empathetic kind of um, aspirational perspective and does that sound like a lot well you be the judge right because he offers up a couple of examples I've linked uh, one or two up in the show notes as well and Quite frankly, that's uh, there's nothing boring, right? There really is nothing boring. There's only bad storytellers. And that's kind of me. Those are, those are my words, not Drew's. But that's what I hear when I hear Drew Davis speak. So look, there is so much packed in here. I could have went for an hour or plus here, but I try to keep these things under a half an hour, mostly because I, I want to be respectful of my guest's time and also your time as well. I'm going to give you as much value in as a short amount of time as possible. Okay, so let's get into it right now then with Drew Davis. And again, you can find him at aka drewdavis.com, best-selling author, incredible keynote speaker, and one of the smartest thought leaders in the content marketing space today, Drew Davis. All right, my guest today is Andrew Davis, and I got to be honest, I'm thrilled to have him on the show because he is, in my opinion, one of the most original and dynamic thought leaders uh, in marketing today. His 20-year-plus career has really taken him to a lot of diverse destinations, from local television to the Today Show, from a stop with the Muppets in New York City, uh, multiple stops helping both tiny startups as well as Fortune 500 brands. He's produced for journalists, including Charles Corralt, and for popular cultural icons such as MTV. He's built and sold a digital marketing agency, Tipping Point Labs, and has written two books. The first, Brandscaping, which is a top 100 marketing book on Amazon.com, and his second, which was just released in 2015, Town Incorporated, or Town Inc., He's a captivating speaker. He challenges his audience to think bigger, to think differently. And like I said, I'm really thrilled to have him with us today. So, Drew, 
before we even get started, thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule to join me today on Leading Matters. Oh, thanks for having me on Leading Matters, Joel. It's so nice to, to reconnect and chat after such a long time and, and to be part of such a great show. Oh, great. Thank you. I'm, I'm, glad, I'm glad to have you on, like I said. So listen, let, let me jump right into it. There's so much I want to cover today, but you know, I realize as I prepared, you know, I'm the benefit of having followed your work for quite some time, uh, but I realize you know, some of my audience might not have had the pleasure to see you speak. So for the benefit of my audience, could you just kind of share what's the one thing they ought to know about you, Davis, about your approach and what you think is important for them to know as business leaders and as marketers? All right. So let me I think the one thing you should know about me is, uh, uh, you know, maybe that I'm a product of my diverse background. <laughs> uh, and uh, I think that's that's, you know, what what makes me interesting. But it's also probably what makes you interesting as a founder or as a someone who runs a company or is trying to start a company. Uh, I think, uh, you know, you should put some some stock in that yourself. Um, but if I was going to tell you one thing, m- my mantra is kind of start small, but think big. Uh, and I, I think the bigger your vision, the bigger your idea, the longer term you you see that happening, uh, you know, the better off you are. In the meantime, I think starting small in the smallest possible way and taking action every day to make that just a little bit bigger is an easy way to look at building your business. Sure. So, uh, you know what, that, that's a great place to start. And also, I, I would encourage the audience to, to pick up Brandscaping because I know you wrote that back in 2012, which... Yeah. These days, it seems like one year equals five years anymore, right? Uh, but it still, I think, resonates very true to what um, we ought to do as far as focusing on a niche and, more importantly, identifying and connecting the right ecosystem of shared thought around our ideas. Right. So, again, for the benefit of the audience that might not have picked it up just yet, you know, what, sure. what is that concept of brandscaping all about and where can I get started with that sort of approach? Yeah, brandscaping is an easy idea, really. It's it's creating content with other people to help gain access to their audience, so that you actually can, you know, become part of their brand universe. Think of it this way: if you asked yourself one simple question, just this question, who has my next customer as their current customer? All right. So who has my next customer as their current customer? That's you're starting the process of brandscaping. You're actually starting to look at the universe as an opportunity to partner with other brands to get access to your next customer. And I mean, it's a, you know, brandscaping, you're right. Is it kind of a big idea? And, and uh, maybe, you know, the, the examples from, from before 2012 might feel old if you're reading the book. Um, but there are new examples every day that look very similar to, you know, the, the brandscaping concept that, uh, that I first put forth in that book. Sure. So let me get a little bit more specific, right? Because, uh, you know, in my, my work, I, I try to help a, a lot of folks kind of connect their bigger emotional narrative with with actually down to the nitty gritty of, of how you kind of, you know, move product, right? But in a meaningful yeah. way to make a difference to your to your customers. Yeah, but what I'm seeing more and more is I, I see, um, you know, almost like a content marketing backlash, especially in, in business-to-business related software sales and SaaS sales, where sales teams seem to be growing increasingly suspect over a content marketing approach, losing faith in the quality of leads that come through that approach. Mm. So my question is really twofold here. Do you, do you see this backlash as well? And if so, what do you think might be, at the, what's the root cause of, of this kind of like current disease of that backlash? <laughs> 
<laughs> well, I I do see the backlash myself uh, as well, and and I think the cause of the backlash is the low quality of the lead, especially in the B two B world. So maybe you've increased the number of people who have filled out your lead gen form, but at the end of the day, your sales team isn't satisfied with the that that huge new influx of of quote unquote interested uh, customers um, and validated leads because at the end of the day they don't close uh, the deal. I think the the real problem is that uh, as a content marketer, as a marketer in general, you should be going after the highest quality possible lead instead of the, the, the largest quantity of the lead. And that should reflect be reflected in the kind of content you generate to attract the right quality of customer. Uh, and, and I think our tendency is to pass the lead over to sales too soon before we've really been able to build trust with that customer, understand exactly what that potential customer or client might need, and then making sure that when we do pass it to sales, they are on, you know, they've had this moment of inspiration that sent them on the journey to buy whatever we sell. Now, you know, I think I know what I like about your response there is you're kind of a practice what you preach type of guy because I know I pay attention to your content and you're constantly trying new things, you're constantly developing new ideas and new approaches and and oh by the way, they're not just uh you know, one and done. I mean, they're pretty in-depth, very thoughtful, well-researched, but it's a lot of effort, right? So Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, right. So but do you think that effort is what scares people away from from the quality over quantity? Um you know, I, I'm not sure. I think uh, I think they see what other people are doing in the marketplace, and that and it looks successful. You know, if you write a headline of ten things you must do to grow your business tomorrow, or whatever it is, that's very easy to do, and it works. You get lots of click throughs, and you even find yourself clicking on them. You know, so you say, well, this must work. Um, I should do this for my business, and and I'll just churn out a lot of them. I think it, you have to actually spend the time to try something different. Staying away from commodity content, yeah, is is harder because you can't, you know, you can't just copy what everybody else is doing. Instead, if you spend some time to get really creative and think for yourself, what could I do to best serve my audience? What would I deliver? And even if you deliver only one great thing, let's say every quarter, you will have a higher quality lead gen tool than all of those, you know, one-off things. So at the end of the day, is it more work? I would say no, uh, it's not more work. Uh, it's just, you know, higher quality content less often, uh, but still deliver the same kinds of results. And you can put that time and energy that you were spending trying to come up with tomorrow's blog post into actually creating some some great marketing around the kind of content you're creating. In fact, advertising the, the content you're creating might even work. Is there, you know, Drew, I often wonder, is there something kind of bigger happening as well that mm -hmm. that our content has to be, you know, look, it, it, I, I love that answer, right? Because is it harder to not take the commodity-driven content? Well, no, not necessarily. It just takes a different perspective, right? Yeah. But I'm wondering, is there a need to especially on the B2B side of things. I think it's a little bit different in consumer, but on the mm. business to con, uh, business, is there a need to walk our customers through every aspect of how they consider us, how they use our product and services, how they improve the use of what we're, we're doing for them at, you know, as their life cycle of a customer of theirs is, um, you know, unfolds? I mean, is that, is that a responsibility of not just marketing, but the entire company? 
I think that's the responsibility of the entire company. One of the things I tell people a lot is that there is no, you know, marketing and sales team. Like everybody today is a, is part of marketing, is part of sales. Uh, and at the end of the day, the whole organization should be able to help with those kinds of tasks. I think it's marketing's responsibility specifically to to actually generate a moment of inspiration that sends people on that journey. And and I think it's even um, it's even to our benefit if our if our customers. Uh, and competitors are creating content um, that helps educate those, you know, the the kind of active evaluation loop or the messy part of the process. And it's 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 our responsibility to make sure that we attract the highest quality clients and customers at the right time with the right kind of you know interactions, whether that's from customer service or a salesperson uh, or marketing or you know, or, or an email newsletter, it doesn't really matter. Uh, I think everybody's job is to help that process move forward. Sure. Do you think that, um, and look, I, I'm stacking the deck a little bit because I know your approach on things. You take a big, <laughs> <laughs> you know, so maybe, maybe this is a, you know, a two of a softball question for you, but do you think that the emotional narrative of the story matters here? In other words, should we be paying attention to, look, not just the the, the, the nitty-gritty of the product or the service, but yeah. really why it makes a difference to the lives, the people that we're trying to engage with? Yes. Yeah, okay, so the biggest, I think the biggest problem with B2B marketing specifically today is the lack of a, an emotional connection. And uh, Dr. Donald Kahn, who's a famous psychologist, actually says that emotion leads to action while reason leads to conclusions. And B2B marketing is full of reason. Here are 15 reasons you should look at us. Here are the features and functions of our product or service that we offer. Here are all the reasons, blah, 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 blah. And in fact, what we really should be doing is connecting emotionally to the person we're trying to attract to our brand and inspire them to take some action with an emotional story. There's actually a great example if you go look at uh, a company called F-Secure. They sell B2B you know, software as a service for small businesses. It's virus prote protection software. It's not sexy stuff, uh, but they sent their um, – their head of, uh, of, of security, a guy named Miko Hypanen, mm -hmm. he, they're, they're from uh, Finland, they sent him to go find the – track down the first two people to create a computer virus in Pakistan. So this guy flew around the world to f and tracked these guys down. And this content is emotionally appealing. It's really exciting to watch. It builds suspense. It's not like most B2B marketing. And at the end of it, you start wondering, who's the person that's behind my virus protection software? I have no connection with that person. I'm not emotionally involved. Maybe I should hire F-Secure. We need to have emotional pieces of content, content that foster aspiration and get people excited about working with us or emotionally attached to the, the problem we solve. We need to have some empathy and that's what's really missing today. No, I like that. That's a great example. You know, it reminds me of uh, Juice. I forget the name of the photographer, Casey something or other. But Nike had given him some money, and he was able to free to kind of spend it however he did. And he actually traveled all over the world. I think maybe I found that story through you. Do you remember the story I'm talking about? I don't. I uh, not. I. Uh, I don't remember the Nike story, but I do. There, there's a story about a photographer that uh, basically. Um, collected hundreds of other photographers around the world to take pictures on one same day in a very similar kind of way. Yeah, so I guess the point is that the uh, that, that there's even with something as non-sexy as viral, you know, virus tracking software and security exactly. software, right? <laughs> so if they could do it, surely we could do it, right? I That's mean, right. Yeah, yeah but, I mean there's I mean there's it even gets more boring, you know. I've seen um 
a, a company that sells conveyor belt parts creates some really great emotional content that fosters aspiration with middle tier, you know, medium sized distribution center managers. So like, like that's not the sexiest stuff in the world, but their content is emotionally appealing and people go, I want to do that. Like I want that feeling. Uh, how do I do it? Oh, I, I need to replace conveyor belts. Like that's, I'm I'm shortening the, the story, but <laughs> sure. you see what I mean. Like I do, got to make that connection. Well, sure, but listen, I mean, you you uh, have the good fortune of speaking to you know thousands of people a year, and I know your talks are so engaging. They're inspirational. I mean, what is the? And, and look, I've I've seen great speakers, and people get kind of revved up, and their first question is, they crowd the speaker, and they're like, "Well, I want to do this. How do I do it?" Yeah. So I'm sure you experienced that. So what what's the <laughs> one thing that you tell them? Here's here's the one thing you need to do when you get back on Monday morning. Do this. What is what is this? I, I usually say, uh, look at your your three most profitable clients from the last year, the, the ones with the highest margin that brought in the most net profit. Look at those clients, and the first thing you need to do is intimately understand the aspirations of those three people that bought from you. What? Why did they buy from you? Not the last step, because they'll say, oh well, you know, you were the lowest priced, maybe or whatever, uh, or your RFP was the very thorough that those those things are very far at the end you want to you want to look for the moment of inspiration in those three people's journey what sent them down the path that eventually led to you even if it was two years ago that they had this initial idea that they needed to change x y and z or whatever and that's what led to you you that's where you're going to find the biggest opportunity to market and grow your business so i usually say look at those three clients understand exactly what they aspire to be and understand why they ended up buying from you at the end of the day and those things will start pointing the direction to the best marketing you've ever done that's great that's a good suggestion i think that's a great logical you know first step there what now yeah look again it all comes down to hey i've not done it before and sometimes i'm fearful i don't have the bandwidth or whatnot You know, getting a customer to talk to me seems like I've been in the game for quite a while as well. And back in the day, yeah, right. Remember, remember, we used to have to navigate the legal department of your customer because they, yeah. they would never let them go and, and do press. But today, it seems so much easier to get them talking, to get them engaged. I mean, is that true that it's easier to get customers talking today? And if so, you know, how do I exploit that that ease? Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know if it's any easier. I think more and more, uh, it's become part of how everybody markets. <laughs> so they kind of expect it. And, and I think people have realized that it helps them as well as their brand to, you know, be, be part of a kind of ecosystem where their brands being talked about in lots of different places, even if it's through a vendor. Um, so yes, I think that, you know, it's happening more often, but I, I don't think you should shy away from, um, having private conversations that aren't meant to be published or turned into case studies. Uh, I have a friend who every year he, he runs a, a, you know, a consulting business. He goes on a listening tour every single year and he visits five existing clients and all he does on this listening tour is sit down and talk to them about what they want to do in the next five years. Not just the business they work for, but themselves like, Hey, what are you looking to do? So that he gets into their mindset and and he also goes and visits five, five clients he's never met. It's really smart way of learning um, exactly what you need to do to keep your clients and customers happy and your business growing. 
you know, I, I ask all my guests this question, so, you know, <laughs> I don't mean to put you on the spot, but it's a question I usually ask. Have you read uh, The Challenger Sale by Yeah. Me? Okay. And, you, yeah, sure. I know you just had those guys on your show. Yeah, I did. I did. I had uh, Brent Addison on earlier this yeah. year. And I'm a, I'm a huge fan of it because I'm not sure. For those who haven't read it, I always kind of summarize it. It basically says that the days of like pain solution selling are kind of behind us. It drives us to commoditization. And what they suggest is that we have to be out in front of our customers offering right. a very aggressive prescription for what they don't know yet what they need to be paying attention to and how they need to act right it's a great book yeah yeah thank you so i i agree it's so my, my question is with that 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 methodology right is this and and what you just said there about your friend who does this listening towards i think is a fantastic idea is is the kind of the area where we can be more prescriptive does it lie in that relationship not with our customers not with the operational reality of our business but indeed with what people are doing in the market that we're targeting, how they're trying to do it, how their careers are progressing. I mean, all the elements and the nuance of, of their reality. That's exactly. And that's why I think the listening tour is so genius. I mean, you know, with no pretense, not trying to sell anything um, and, and even not trying to challenge them at that point, they're just trying to understand what motivates and inspires them to come to work every day. And it's those kinds of things that when you are going to sit down and challenge them <laughs> uh, or present to them the, you know, the prescription for success over the next five years mm -hmm. or, or, or next decade, uh, that you're actually tapping into the exact things that they already told you are going to resonate with them um, it, on an emotional level, on an inspirational level, uh, you know, on a, on a really, um, you know, similar plane, you're able to actually deliver something of value. And, and I think that's key to being successful moving forward because it's actually not just about those. You, you'll start to see similarities pretty quickly. And that's why my friend doesn't go and visit 20 of his clients. Uh -huh. He only needs to visit five because he actually already starts to see that they're all talking about mobile. Okay. If you're all talking about mobile, are you going to actually do something about it? Whatever it is, they're very, they're, he's very quick to be able to decide how to actually inspire them to, to do more with what they're talking about. Sure. You know, and as you're speaking there, it reminds me, I just uh, talked to Jay Bear last week about his new book, Hug Your Haters. I haven't posted the episode. It's also great. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a really good, it's a, have you, have you had a chance to look it yeah. up yet? It's, yeah. In fact, I have the book sitting on my table still. <laughs> well, I, I told Jay, I think it's one of his, his best work yet, right? Because he really, he really breaks down how this nature of engaging our customers, what that relationship needs to look like impacts customer advocacy, which I thought is a right. really brilliant take and he operationalizes it. So what you said just there kind of reminded me of that take because more and more, and again, I'm kind of in it, right, on the, on the daily basis. So maybe I'm skewed because I, I kind of believe in these approaches, but it seems to me that what was first called content marketing, you know, five, six years ago is really becoming the very core, the very, the very DNA of, of who we are and how we behave operationally across the entire life cycle of, of who we are as a company and how we connect with our, our customers. I mean, is that, is that too hyperbolic, too exaggerated? Or do you think that's, you know, <laughs> no. I don't think it is. I, I, in fact, I've spent a lot of time the last three months trying to figure out what the, I don't know, the the content spectrum looks like um, with people like Robert Rose and Joe Polizzi and uh, Justin Kirby and a bunch of other uh, of us have been pushing around these ideas. Um, because you're right, I think it's getting more and more complicated to determine what content marketing is versus, you know, what is what like is a help article uh, on your support forum. Is that 
content marketing? I, I don't know the answer. Uh, it's certainly content, and yeah, yeah. it might be used by a potential customer to determine if your product can do something they want to do uh, before they buy it. But is it content marketing? I don't know. So, you know, I've, I've actually I just created something called the Content Marketing Quadrant, which um, is just kind of a working idea. But I ma I actually made a YouTube video about it if anybody wants to look. But it's got basically I've tried to break down into four big chunks what uh, marketing looks like and and how content fits into it no matter where it is I'm not sure it works yet but it's it's an idea in progress you know I just was looking at that the other day because you know preparing to have you on the show and I, I found it pretty fascinating I think it's I think it does kind of do a good job of kind of corralling where all content lies and sits what, what kind of feedback <laughs> have you had on it Oh man, it's been all over the map. You know, people that are kind of inside baseball people, <laughs> like the content marketing elite. <laughs> sure. You know, we've debated we've debated the semantics back and forth. Um, you know, but the, uh, I, I've presented it only a very few times to a general audience, and the feedback has been very positive. That it helps them um, kind of interpret the landscape in a much more uh, you know kind of understandable way, especially when they hear terms like native advertising or uh, you know or or content brands or branded content they're able to kind of plot in their mind where things fit so I'm really happy with the results so far uh, it's still a little inside baseball and I think it still needs some work um, but Robert Rose created one that's pretty good and Justin Kirby's kind of highlighted those on on LinkedIn so you know if you're really kind of part of the geek marketing geek squad you're, this stuff is really interesting if you're just trying to figure out what you're what where you're going I think it's these kinds of models that uh, you know a year from now will help chart that yeah yeah no, I agree well look I'll, I'll, I'll post a link on, on this episode so people can check it sure. out um, you know in that context you know I'm not sure there's a, a couple of good podcasts I listen to one's called this week in startups and a guy, Des Trainer, who was the founder of Intercom, was on there, and he was talking about okay. the responsibility that we have to, in the, especially in the freemium world that mobile and SaaS applications are, is how we get people not just signed up but converted. And he was talking quite a bit about, um, you know, how you help people drive to adoption. And I, and I, I kind of thought, again, in context of getting ready to talk to you, that helping people kind of see themselves in the solution, and not in a not in a bits and bytes sort of way, but in a in a narrative type of way. Now, uh, granted, the functionality needs to align to the story, right? But it seems to me that the story really matters to really help people flip over from the free trial to actually adopting the tool on an everyday purpose. I mean, you know, given that that's the puzzle for a lot of SaaS companies today, do you think that content also plays a role there? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I'll give you a good example. And in fact, I can't remember the brand. Um, I'll try to email it to you, Joel, so you can add it to the sure. show notes. But um, you know, lately I, I, I'm kind of growing Monumental Shift, which is a is kind of the thought leadership talent agency at this point. Uh, and so I've been looking into the business of speaking. You know, I mean, for three or four years, I've done nothing but just speak around the world. Sure. And I've done a lot of research about it, and I've thought through it. And there are lots of accounting, you know, uh, software packages out there. There's Zero. There's there's QuickBooks, right? I could choose anything to run this business. And then one day on Facebook, there's actually some advertising specifically for accounting for speakers. And all of a sudden, just that context and the information and insight that they've provided me all of a sudden leads me to believe their software might be better than QuickBooks or Xero because they understand my business more intimately than anyone else. And all they did was create some content that speaks to me, that, that is from my, the audience's perspective. Um, you know, and, and I'll be honest, I haven't 
uh, dove in more because it's basically a mobile platform only and like my I feel like my business is too big to be able to just do it on my phone or my iPad. Sure. Uh, so I haven't I haven't actually dove in deeper. But my point is that that the instead of just selling me you do accounting you, you know you have accounting software or you have a phone system for small businesses. If you can actually dive in deeper and tell me how to run my business better from my perspective, I'm much more likely to build a relationship with the tool you've created or maybe even the tools you've created uh, because you're you're speaking to me about my business instead of about yours. Sure. No, that's interesting. I, I wonder if it was was it a sponsored piece of content because I'm curious. Yeah, it was. It was. A, it was a sponsored piece of content, and they had specifically targeted me yeah. on Facebook because I'm listed as a speaker. That's so not everybody was seeing that ad, and I'm sure they had other ads for people who sell books or you know people who are creative freelancers. I'm sure they had ten different landing pages with content specifically for those people. But again, it, you know that context and my motto, which is get rich, target a niche. All of a sudden, just uh, you know, hit me like a ton of bricks, and yeah. I was like, "Wow! Like, this is this is accounting software for me." No, I like that. Well, because you know, I think uh, a lot of again in the B two B world, I think they really underestimate the power of targeting through Facebook. Oh, totally. Because, yeah, because it's such an first of all, it's so inexpensive and it's so discreet. It's the most discreet digital platform, in my opinion, that can target down to such a, a, a finite level. So, absolutely. Um, hey, and, go ahead. Oh. Oh no! I was just going to say that you know that I've seen people um, charge higher margins uh, for the exact same problem, pro, you know, software product, just by actually you know changing the the way it's targeted and delivered to a very niche audience. <laughs> and I think it's a really smart, simple way to get out of the commoditization of of the software you're creating. That's good. I like that too. That's a good. That's a good takeaway as well. Hey, I'm wondering. Um, this is kind of out of left field, but what something you said kind of sparked it because. Uh, I'm a big fan of Gary Vaynerchuk. I watch a lot more what he does, and he's been producing a t lot of video content lately and been using yeah. Snapchat pretty heavily <laughs> as well. So I'm wondering, I know. I've noticed that. Yeah, so I'm, I'm curious what you think about – look, everybody's trying to use video more effectively, and then there's this, this, this unlocked potential of what Snapchat might be. I mean, do you have an opinion on video and or on using Snapchat in a business kind of format and setting? Well, I think video is an unbelievably powerful tool if you focus on one simple concept. It's show me, don't tell me. So I'm not a big fan of lots of talking head junk on any platform for video. Like I don't need – you know, I think there are better mediums for that. There's audio. You could just – you know, like tell me that story. That's great. I don't need to see you. Um, you and I, I think if you if you follow that simple idea that if you've got something to show me, then show it to me. I think it's really valuable. Uh, you know, I I like Gary. I have a good relationship with Gary, but I don't. I actually find myself kind of bored with the stuff he's yelling at me on Snapchat. Um, you know, versus uh, following his adventures on YouTube, which I think are much better produced and delivered in a better way, mm. uh, especially for Ask Gary V. So I think there's a big disconnect for me between my experience on Snapchat for him versus somebody like um, like Jay Akunzo. I don't know if you follow him on Snapchat, but he's putting together a new podcast called Unthinkable, and he's showing you every single day what he's doing to build a new podcast. Oh, cool. And if you're a content creator, the showing is way better, you know, and he does throw in some silly stuff like he's tired or, you know, but, you know, when he's talking to the camera, he'll actually write stuff on the screen and, you'll, you know, you learn a ton mm. by seeing what he's actually doing. That's interesting. No, I, I, I like that because, again, it seems like such a native, un, untapped platform. I was really curious to get your two cents on it. And, and you know, by the way, you take a, a really hard line on, hey, be a publisher and a producer. So I think that's, uh, that's a lot of good insight there. 
So, hey, thanks. So, Drew, let me ask you this. Um, I want to wrap it up, and I want to give you the opportunity to look. What should we? Where, where Drew Davis is concerned, you know, tell us what we should be paying attention to in your world. You know, what? You know, tell us about the new book. Tell us about Monumental. Sure. So, you know, if I want to get you to speak, what do I do? So, go ahead. Give me, give me the. Yeah, no problem. If you want to, if you want more information on my speaking, you can go to aka drewdavis.com, um, also known as drewdavis.com. Uh, and uh, the best way to kind of keep in touch with me is on Twitter. I'm at drew davis here uh you can find me on twitter and uh you know let's see town inc my new book you can find on amazon which is all about uh, kind of growing your business saving your town and leaving a legacy so if you live in a city of under two hundred and fifty thousand people and you want to make a big difference that's a great book for business owners uh and and that's been really fun the last uh, four or five months kind of touring around the country um, you know, talking about that book. Uh, and if you just want to see me on the road, you can you can find my speaking schedule at akadrewdavis.com uh, and, and uh, you know, reach out to me on Twitter and let's get together. That's great. That's very good. I, I'm, uh, I'll, I'll certainly put those links up as well in the show notes. So once again, for those of you that have been listening, it's Andrew Davis. You can find him at akadrewdavis.com. Great speaker, author of Brandscaping and Town, Inc., and really just phenomenal thought leader in this whole complex world of how we market and communicate with those we're, that we're looking to serve. So, Drew, listen, I, I know you got so many demands of your time. I, I can't tell you how happy I am that you gave me some of yours today to share your wisdom with my audience. So thanks so much for being a guest on Leading Matters. Hey, Joel. Thanks so much for having me on Leading Matters. It's been great. Anytime. Anytime.